Hi, I'm Dr. Avanti Kumar Singh. In over 20 years of practicing both Western medicine and Eastern healing traditions, the most important thing that I've learned is that healing is a journey we take together. So on this podcast, I'll be demystifying Ayurveda and other integrated medicine, showing how these simple ancient practices are the keys to unlocking a healthy modern life. We are all healing catalysts because healing starts within. It starts with you and it starts right now. This is a Soulfire production. Well, hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Healing Catalyst podcast. And I have a special treat for all of you today. I'm here with my friend and my team member and my publicist, Tracy Glass, who is going to join me today for a really special episode. We're doing another Ask Me Anything episode. I know we haven't done one for a few months, but we thought it was time to do another. We've been getting a ton of questions. And so Hey, Tracy, thanks for being here with me today. Thank you. I'm so excited for this. Yeah, yeah. And so we are today going to be talking all about summer and summer fun and how to support your health in summer. I know that we're in July, you know, coming up on the end of July, but this is really the midst, sort of the heat of summer, according to Ayurveda. And, you know, every year I get so many questions from my students, my patients, my clients on Instagram through SpeakPipe where people are leaving me voice messages about summer health and summer health issues. And then also how do you just support your health? So we thought we'd do a full episode because we have so many questions on this topic. So we're going to be doing that. We've gotten so many questions in from listeners and followers. Um, I also may use this as my own personal therapy session, if you don't mind, because I have so many questions for you too. Yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely. And before we jump into all things summer related on that same topic, we're actually going to be taking a little summer break. My whole team, we just want to take a little break and be with our families. A couple of us have kids going off to college, right, Tracy and me. Um, And so we're going to be taking the month of August off, but don't worry, we will be back in September, the first week of September with brand new episodes, tons of amazing, amazing new guests coming for the fall season and through the end of the year. So tons for you guys to hear, but make sure that you go back and listen to some of the old episodes. We'll have some of those linked in the show notes for you, but just wanted to let you know that we're taking a little break during the month of August. And let's not forget, we have a big announcement that's coming too, that I know you'll talk about on the podcast in September, but um, I think we'll be rolling some things out on social. So very exciting stuff. Yes. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so you guys will hear all about that in a couple of weeks, but we're going to take a little break before that. But today we're going to get into all things about summer. So Tracy, I'm going to let you go ahead and sort of lead this discussion. Okay. Well, the timing for this is perfect because there's record temps all across the country. We're pretty used to high temperatures here in Chicago this time of year. And, um, I guess I have a question for you before we dive into some of the, the listeners' questions. Um, so we're, we're midway through summer in Chicago. And, you know, typically I think of July and August as a time to, you know, for quiet and, and family time and, and rest. And I have to say, I, I realized last night as I, as I was awake at three in the morning that I'm not really sleeping and I'm kind of feeling a little burnt out and tired. And I'm thinking maybe I'm doing things wrong. I'm not, I don't know if I'm eating the wrong things or just so excited that the weather's warm and to try to take advantage of every minute of summer, yeah. but would love your advice from an Ayurveda perspective. Yeah, I know. I mean, and what you're talking about is actually really, really common. And especially here in Chicago where, you know, the summer is the most fun time um, in this city, in the weather that we're in, and everyone is out and about doing everything that they can because then winter hits and it's it's really cold and it's hard to be outside in, in a place like Chicago. But this is true, you know, in a lot of different places, people tend to really want to be outside. And there's something about sort of the energy of summer also, right? Schedules kind of, you know, relax a little bit. Kids are off from school or from college and 
home with their families. So there's sort of this, you know, wanting to just do lots of fun things that we, you know, think of. But this idea of burnout is really interesting because there is something from an Ayurvedic perspective that says that burnout quite literally happens to us. And we'll talk about that in a minute, but let's start by framing this with an Ayurvedic perspective of what summer season is, right? You know, from an Ayurvedic perspective, summer is Pitta season and Pitta means fire, right? Pitta is the Ayurvedic dosha of the two elements of fire and water. Now, the qualities are what matters the most, right? So we're not going to get into doshas. You guys all know how I feel about doshas. I think they're important, but not when we're talking about sort of these basic foundational types of things. But needless to say, you can think of summer as fire season. That's when the element of fire predominates, right? That's pretty obvious. It's hot outside, right? And so when we're thinking about the seasons, we need to think about the qualities. I always talk about this, right? And so the qualities of fire are hot, sharp, oily, and mobile, right? Now, when we're talking about seasonal changes, which is what we're really getting into today, is how do you take care of yourself and support your health, mind, body, and spirit during the summer season? What are the things that you need to sort of think about, right? And sort of going back to your question, Tracy, of like, why are you feeling this way? Well, it's probably because you have some accumulation of these fire qualities. Because as a season progresses, the element that predominates, those qualities then begin to accumulate within the human system. So some of the things that you are experiencing, whether they're physical symptoms or emotional or mental symptoms that you're feeling, these sort of like vague feelings that you're feeling, right? This idea of burnout or feeling like you can't sleep or, you know, for some people it might be emotional, whatever it is, many times that's because these elements, these qualities of these elements that predominate have accumulated. So in this case, in summer, the element of fire has accumulated, especially because we're midway through summer. We're sort of at the quote, hottest point of summer. As you also said, you know, there's been record temperatures all through the country and actually all through the world right now. Um, in Europe, in you know, South Asia, the temperatures have been out of control, like really, really much higher than we've seen before. And so there is this fire element really, really accumulating in mid-July. So things that will accumulate, right? So the, the qualities of hot, sharp, oily, and mobile, these are accumulating in the body and the mind. And what your body and mind try to do, because we're, again, so intelligent that way, we try to disperse that heat and release it so that we can sort of bring ourselves back into natural balance. Sometimes we need some help with that though, right? Because if we're doing things the activities that we're engaged in, the routines that we're having, the foods that we're eating, the lack of stress management, whatever it is, that can add on top of what's going on in nature, right? And so again, you go back to the golden principle in Ayurveda, which is like increases like and opposites reduce. So you have this season of the fire element in summer with these qualities accumulating midway through summer. If you don't do something to counterbalance that, to do the opposite, to balance it out, you will go out of balance. And so you're going to have even more of those qualities, which then will tip the scale of balance and start to show up as symptoms. Does that kind of make basic sense, like why you might be feeling what you're feeling? Absolutely. I have some specific questions, but I'll let you kind of finish that thought. Yeah. And so, you know, really, so what's happening, you know, for you, Tracy, and probably for many people who are listening is that that tip of balance has happened, right? They're feeling these symptoms because you have so much of that fire element qualities that has accumulated in nature because of nature. And then on top of that, if your sort of natural tendency is also to have a lot of fire, you're going to have that added on top of that. Plus, if the things that you're doing every day, the foods that you're eating, the types of activities that you're engaged in, if those have fire element qualities, then you really tip the balance. And so you can see right there, it's like you're adding more and more fire on top of fire on top of fire. So of course, you're going to end up with these different symptoms. 
that's really kind of the answer from an Ayurvedic perspective of what's probably happening for you and many people who are listening. So where do we start? So I know that that's happening. I understand why now, but I'm not really sure. Yeah. Next, especially when you're not sleeping and you get in that cycle, you know, I know you're supposed to wake up early with the sun, but that's hard to do when you haven't slept. Yeah. Well, okay. So let's back up for a second. Let's just talk about how this might be showing up for people. I find that analogies and visualization really makes these points really clear. So if you imagine that these fire qualities are accumulating within the human system and the body and the mind, they're trying to disperse it and release that heat. They're going to try and do it from any way that they possibly can. So what you'll see is that in the digestion, right? And one of the main ways that the fire is dispersed is through digestion and through the skin. And so what do we see in the summer? A lot of people will have lots of digestive issues where fire, you know, that heat is coming out. And so it shows up as loose stool or diarrhea or having to go multiple times a day. Another thing that is very common is that people on their skin, again, the heat is trying to come out of the skin. And so you'll have rashes, you'll have acne, hives, psoriasis. Again, that redness, that heat is trying to escape from the body and the skin is the largest organ of the body. You know, the other um, area that we find a lot of symptoms is in the eyes. The eyes are actually the organ, the main organ of the fire element. And so for many people, they'll have itching, burning eyes, they'll have redness, headaches that are sort of centered around the eyes, sort of like migraines and intense headaches that are sort of centered around the temples and the eyes almost and sensitivity of the eyes. That's a very common symptom too. And then if you add on top of that, that you're looking at a screen all day or looking at blue light, it's really, really intense. Some other things that happen for a lot of people is that a lot of itises, inflammation shows up, right? So whether it's injuries or sharp pains anywhere in the body, a lot of that will start to happen. Other things in the digestion, a lot of acid, right? It's heat. Again, it's a, that, that sharp quality of the fire. So reflux, acid, ulcers, nausea, vomiting, very, very common in the summer in pitta season when there's an excess of that fire. And then as far as the emotions go, and I know that I see this in, in quite a few family members of mine, children in, in particular, and even my husband, and probably even myself to a certain extent, is the emotions, right, of anger, frustration, impatience, irritability, and intolerance of just everything, right? Uh, jealousy, being overcritical or judgmental, and sort of an increased focus on perfection. I know that I'm battling that a little bit right now, you know? And so again, it's not that all of these different symptoms will show up for everyone, but I just wanted to give sort of a picture that a lot of these will show up for different people or, you know, for some people it's more emotional than physical, but if you're having any of these symptoms that are showing up quite a bit more than usual, you probably have excess fire, excess fire qualities that have accumulated and we need to do something about that. Okay. So okay. just wanted to make sure people understand how this might be affecting them. Yeah, that's really helpful. I'm sure a lot of the questions that came in that I'm going to ask um, on our listeners' behalf will address a lot of what you just mentioned. So a listener wrote, what can I drink in summer to cool off if I can't drink cold drinks or not have ice in my drinks? Okay, that's a really great question. And this is obviously someone who knows a little bit about Ayurveda. So to preface what this, this listener is asking is that, you know, in Ayurveda, we say that we should not have ice in our drinks or drink cold drinks or eat cold foods. But this is specifically about drinks, okay? And so the reason here, so let's, let's again, go back to the beginning. The whole idea here is the golden principle, right? Fire element predominates in summer which has the qualities of hot, sharp, oily, and mobile, right? And so you need to do the opposite, the golden principle, like increases, like opposites reduce. So you want to counterbalance with the opposite qualities. So that specifically is cool. Now, the question is, is that if you're supposed to counterbalance with a quality of cool, why would you not drink cold water or ice water, because that would counterbalance, which is a perfectly logical way to think about it. The reason is, from an Ayurvedic perspective, is that ice and cold water will put out the digestive fire. 
The digestive fire or Agni, its job is to process everything that is coming in through the five senses, okay? And that includes food and beverages, but also all of our experiences, the sounds, the smells, the things we see, right? We've talked about this before, but when you use ice water or cold water, it actually puts out that fire. You can actually picture that happening, right? Now, from a more scientific physiological perspective, our body has a base temperature of about 98.6 degrees, right? And a glass of ice water is around 33 degrees or so. Now think about the amount of energy that your body has to use to basically raise that temperature and like maintain your internal temperature of 98.6 degrees, because we have to function at that temperature. We can't just go up and down and function properly, right? That's like what hypothermia is. Like if our base temperature of our internal system goes down, we're going to have problems. So our body is so intelligent. It's always maintaining that internal temperature. Right. When it goes above 98.6 degrees, we have a fever and that's another problem. Right. That's a indication that we're trying to fight off something. Right. An inflammation of some kind. So, again, our body is always trying to self-regulate when you have cold water that is at 33 degrees. There's so much energy our body has to use to maintain that base temperature of 98.6 degrees. So from an Ayurvedic perspective, why would you do that? Why do you want your body to expend energy on something like that? Just make it easier for your body, right? That's the whole point here because then your body isn't working so hard just to raise the temperature. It's working on everything else it needs to do, which is processing all of these emotional and physical and environmental toxins. Because if your digestion is trying to always catch up, then you're going to have toxic load, right? Which we'll get to in a second. So that makes sense, right? The 98.6 degrees, right? Yes. Now, the other way to think about this also is like, just picture again, pictures are helpful. Think of a campfire. And so drinking cold water or ice water is basically the same thing as dumping a bunch of water on a campfire. It just puts out the fire or there'll be that like damp smoke that comes when you like try to put out a fire, right? You guys may, uh, hopefully many of you have seen this before, right? And so that smoke that's released is almost an analogy for poorly digested food that is just sitting there. And when we have a dampened fire with cold water or ice water, we have this undigested food that just sits there and then becomes toxic load. So that's just another way to picture what's going on. So that was a very long explanation of why from an Ayurvedic perspective, you should not be drinking cold water. But this is where, you know, I think people get confused because they hear that you're supposed to counterbalance with qualities of cool. So they're like, oh, I'll drink cold things or eat cold things. And it's not exactly that way. The more important thing, which, you know, I want to get into, this is another question that gets asked, well, okay, so then what am I supposed to do? Right. Right. It's actually my next question. So what are we supposed to be drinking? Is, you know, a lot of people like smoothies in the summer, right? Or, or ice water. So but we shouldn't be doing that. Right. And so the idea here is that it's not actually a temperature thing. It's a quality thing. It's cooling types of things that you should be drinking and eating. So foods and drinks can have cooling properties, which actually has a cooling effect on the body. So that's different than drinking something that is cold in temperature or eating something that's cold in temperature. That's a really important distinction. And I think that's where the confusion comes, right? So cold versus cooling. All right. And so cooling properties are added to, let's say drinks through herbs and spices, not by temperature. Right. And so you can have room temperature or even lukewarm water, but it can actually be cooling, which is Again, a perspective change. If you go to India, actually, if you go to most South Asian countries or East Asia, Asian countries, they will never serve you drinks with ice. It's just not something that's done. And I remember when I was growing up, I always was like, why do they not put ice in things? It just isn't a thing, right? Because first of all, refrigeration and all that kind of stuff back in the day, but 
that is not something that we do. It's always room temperature. Okay. And so again, it's about putting the cooling properties into the water. So what are some things that you could add? You could add cooling herbs and spices, things like mint, cilantro, or cooling vegetables like cucumber. That's why you see in a lot of places, like when you go to a fancy spa or a fancy restaurant, they've put those herbs in, in the summer. We think it's fancy, but they're actually you know, really tapping into this Ayurvedic principle. Another great thing to drink in the summer to add some cooling effect is coconut water. Coconut itself has cooling properties. It's a food that has the properties of cool. So cooling as far as coconut oil goes, coconut flakes, dry coconut, any of those things that have cooling properties. So adding any of those things into your routines and foods, we'll talk about those in a minute, is really good in the summer. So add, you know, coconut water, great thing to have. So if we need electrolytes, yeah. that would be a good thing for that. Yeah. Instead of Gatorade, which I know is terrible. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, coconut water is, is a perfect electrolyte drink for sports or if you're losing a lot of electrolytes because you're outside and sweating a lot. Coconut water is a good one. Another thing you can do is you can actually make a tea and just cool it to room temperature. You don't have to drink it hot or you could drink it warm if you want. But again, it's about the cooling properties. So hibiscus is very cooling. So a hibiscus tea, a mint tea, fennel tea, coriander tea, you know, with fennel and coriander, you can just take a teaspoon of those seeds, the full seeds, boil it in water, and then just let it cool and then sip it all day. And that has cooling properties. So those are some things that you can drink in the summer to cool yourself off. Okay. Well, that actually leads into another question that we've gotten um, quite a bit about hydration. Mm -hmm. So obviously it's, you know, almost 90 degrees and I know it's even hotter elsewhere around the world. What can we do to make sure that we're hydrated? Yeah. And so this is really important, right? So from, again, a physiological standpoint, The reason hydration is so important is that about 60% of the human body is made of water and it's needed for every process, everything from like the cellular level, all the way up to organ and system level. Okay. And in the summer, when it's hot out, we lose more water primarily through sweating and breathing, both of which are designed to cool off the body. Right. So we actually lose that water more because we're doing these things to help ourselves cool off. And so because water is so essential for biochemical reactions, supplying nutrients throughout the body, removing waste, maintaining your circulation and your body temperature, water also helps with digestion. It prevents constipation. It you know, helps to cushion the joints. It stabilizes your heartbeat and the electrical impulses in the body. Um, it protects your vital organs and tissues. So water is really important. And that's why when we get dehydrated, we get dehydrated quick and we feel really, really bad. And it's like, you have to go get fluids right away in the emergency room. And so this is why staying hydrated is so important. It's also why when we don't have enough water, I think this is true just for people in general. I don't think it matters what time of the year we tend to not drink enough water or liquids. We're always dehydrated. And that's why we have low energy or we feel more fatigued, right? Because again, I just explained water is necessary for everything from a cellular level, all the way up to the organ level. And so Some ways that you can really like what I like to say is hydration hacks from an Ayurvedic perspective, you should be sipping water all day. We don't say in Ayurveda that you should gulp down, you know, a whole glass of water all at once beginning, because again, you're going to put that digestive fire out. You sip the water slowly throughout the day. And then, you know, some other hydration hacks is to eat water rich foods. So water-rich fruits and vegetables, whether it's, you know, fruits and berries, you know, watermelon, citrus, all of those things in the summertime, cucumber, celery, lettuces, those all have high water content, sort of trick your body into having more water by eating water-rich foods. We've already touched on this with the different things that you can drink in the summer. Make it fancy, you know, add the herbs and the fruits and you know, veggies to water to make it more flavorful, make it more interesting. And then on top of that, you get the cooling properties that you've also added to the hydration. So those are some ideas for hydration. Great. So what do you 
like to drink all day. If you sip on room temperature water with some cucumber, I'm imagining spa. Yeah, no, I mean, I usually drink water and I will, I usually throw some fennel seeds or some coriander seeds in there, sometimes some lemon. It just depends, whatever I have around. I will make sure that I fill up a bottle of water. I always have water with me. I always carry it with me. And then I also have some, you know, sometimes some hydration packets with me. If I know I'm going to be out and about and I'm not going to have fresh vegetables and things, I'll just, you know, carry a little hydration packet that I can add into water. One of my favorites is Element. L-M-N-T is, I call it L-M-N-T and they laugh at me. It's Element. And again, I, I don't have any affiliation with them. I just love their products. I think they're really, really good. We can link them in the show notes so that people, I know people will want to know what it is, but they have some really great hydration little packets that you can take on the go different flavors. Mango chili is my favorite. So again, not sponsored or anything, just product I love. So yeah, that's a great tip. Thank you. So another question that uh, we've gotten quite a bit is about vitamin D. So listeners are wondering if they should be taking a supplement knowing that they're also getting sunlight. So can you talk to us a little bit about how vitamin D plays into summertime for us? Yeah, sure. Okay. So let's, let's start. So there's a couple of things in that question. Let's start with what is vitamin D? Like, why is it important for our bodies? Right? So vitamin D is also known as the sunshine vitamin, which is actually kind of ironic because it's not actually a vitamin or a nutrient vitamin D. It's actually a hormone that's produced by the body in the skin from a photolytic reaction that happens with ultraviolet light. Specifically, and I'm not going to get too technical, but I want you guys to know the mechanism is that when we are exposed to light, there's something in the skin called 7-dehydrocholesterol, and that absorbs UVB radiation, which is then converted to pre-vitamin D3, okay, which is then turned into vitamin D3. So it's actually a reaction that happens because of our sun exposure, okay? Now, vitamin D is really important because it's involved in like 2000 different pathways in the body. Again, every cell of your body needs vitamin D. So it's needed for immunity and mood and energy and regulating inflammation. And it's called the sunshine vitamin because again, we get it primarily through exposure to the sun. We can get some small amounts in food, but we can't get enough in food, which is why so many people usually have to supplement. Add on top of that, if you live in an area that is not really, really sunny, you're going to need supplementation because your sun exposure is so limited. And then also, you know, our modern lives, we're inside as many of us are, you know, me and you are sitting here recording our podcast sitting inside. So we're not getting sun exposure. And so that's the importance of, of vitamin D. Now, I think the second part of that question was, you know, well, sun exposure, food, supplementation, like how do I make sure I get enough vitamin D? Because, you know, if you go to any primary care doctor, they're going to check your vitamin D levels, especially if you're having some mood or energy or any other issues, that is one of the things that they're going to check is that, okay, how's your vitamin D level? Because that can affect your mood, your energy, your immunity, all of those things, right? And so a lot of us are chronically walking around with low vitamin D levels, which is adding to the problems that we have. So let's talk about food sources. So if we know that, you know, sun is really the main way to get vitamin D, we can get it through food, but again, we're not going to get quite enough, right? The amount that we really need is anywhere between 2000 and 5,000 IUs of vitamin D per day, which is hard to get from food. And I'll explain in a minute. So liver and fish, especially fattier fishes are a great source of vitamin D. Usually they have about anywhere from 300 to 700 IUs of vitamin D. So again, like wild caught salmon, sardines, anchovies, cod, herring, and liver, they all have a decent amount of, of vitamin D. But again, if you were just having that, that wouldn't be quite enough to maintain the levels that you need in your body. Oysters also have quite a bit. About one cup of oysters has anywhere around 800 IUs of uh, vitamin D. Mushrooms, actually, wild harvested, like portobello and cremini mushrooms, they can have about 900 IUs of vitamin D. 
and ghee or clarified butter also has vitamin D. Again, the issue is that we need anywhere from 2,000 to 5,000 units per day to maintain a good range of vitamin D in our body to support all the functions. And so, you know, it's hard to get that from nutrition, especially if you're not getting adequate sun exposure. So supplementation ends up being, you know, necessary for a lot of people, especially if you're living in the United States, anywhere basically north of Miami, Florida, you probably are not getting enough, you know, daily sun exposure. That's just the truth of the matter. Now, before you take any kind of supplements, make sure you discuss it with your doctor, because obviously if you have too much vitamin D, that can cause problems as well. As far as vitamin D exposure from the sun, a couple of things about that is that the amount of sun exposure that you need varies, of course, on your melanin level. Okay. On how, on how dark your skin is. That's really what it is. And so really sort of the guideline here is that anywhere from about five to 30 minutes per week of judicious sun exposure is needed to produce vitamin D through the skin. Make sure that you do not get sunburned because vitamin D production is maximized before your skin starts to turn pink. And so more is not better in this case. More exposure to the sun doesn't actually increase your levels of vitamin D, but it can actually increase your risk of skin cancer. So just keep that in mind. So I think I covered everything from that question. I, yeah, I, I have a related question, but um, does it matter what time of day we go outside for, you know, to get some vitamin D? In other words, if we go on an early morning walk, which I know you're a proponent of, mm-hmm. does that, does that count if it's 6 a.m.? So, so some of the guidelines, so this is where it gets tricky. Some of the guidelines actually say that it should be um, for sun exposure for vitamin D production should actually be midday. But again, that's the hottest time of the day and that can cause problems and you have to be really, really careful. Now, as far as what, you know, Ayurveda says is that you should never go out into the direct sun during the middle of the day. You should only go out into the sun in the morning time in the evening when the sun is less intense, especially in the summer for all the reasons that we've already talked about as far as the qualities go, right? And then just from a risk perspective, you're lowering your risk of skin cancer by going out into the sun when it's less intense. It's a hard question because there's no specific exact guidelines on this. You just have to be really careful. But I think... You know, I think that if you can get outside and get some natural sunlight, you know, we talk about this with circadian rhythm, getting it into the back of your retina to reset your circadian rhythm. That's one thing. And then if you can get a little bit of direct sunlight, you know, onto your skin for some vitamin D production, that's a good thing. Okay. So it sounds like we should continue taking our supplements, obviously talk to our doctors mm-hmm. first, and then also make sure that we're getting outside a bit, but being careful not to burn. Yeah, exactly. So you said that in one sentence, what I just said in like five minutes. Thank you for (laughs) summarizing what I said. (laughs) Okay. Can we go back to my therapy session then? Yes, of course. (laughs) Okay. So I have a lot of questions about, about food. So I've been, um, and I've talked to you about this, but I've been, uh, focused on my gut microbiome and making sure I'm, I'm, you know, being as healthy as possible. And so I've started fermenting foods. Mm-hmm. And I actually haven't asked you this, but, um, you know, I read something the other day that said I shouldn't actually be doing that from an Ayurvedic perspective. And so now I'm really confused. <laughs> yeah. You know, so fermented foods actually have the qualities of hot and sharp. Um, and so, and some of the tastes of, you know, sour, salty, which are all going to be heating, which if you have a lot of fire element in you, which you do specifically, plus it's summer, um, it can be too much. So you need to be careful with the fermented foods in the summer, especially. And if you're starting to feel symptoms, right? Any of the ones that we listed before that shows that there's excess fire qualities, that's just going to increase those fire qualities. Does that make sense? And so Let's get into some of, yeah. And so some of the foods, right? I know you're going to ask this question. Is this the next question? Yeah, that's my next question. (laughs) I had a feeling. Okay. So the question I, and you know, I get this question pretty much everywhere I go. What food should I be eating at this time of the year? Or what food should I be eating for this problem or for this dosha or this constitution? So let's let's just go there. Um, And I'm going to talk about the foods that you should be eating 
in the summer from the perspective of supporting your health in the summer. I'm framing it that way. Okay. So again, let's go back to this idea of the golden principle, right? The fire element predominates in summer. The qualities of fire are hot, sharp, oily, and mobile. You need to counterbalance with the golden principle, right? Of like increases, like and opposites reduce. So you want to counterbalance those qualities with cool, dull, dry, and stable. So that's what you need to think about when you're looking at food. And so now there's a couple different ways to look at food, which I you know, wrote about in my book I've talked about before. And there's three ways. The way that food feels, which is the quality, right? Which we've talked about. The way that food tastes, and there are six tastes in Ayurveda, sweet, sour, salty, bitter, pungent, and astringent. And so to pacify or to you know, counterbalance the fire qualities, you want to focus on foods that have tastes of sweet, bitter, and astringent, okay? Those have more cooling properties. And then the third way to look at food is the way that food acts. It can either be heating or cooling. And so again, we want to really focus in on foods that have cooling properties, okay? So from that perspective, again, we're looking at foods that have the qualities of cool, dry, dull, and stable, foods that taste sweet, bitter, and astringent, and then foods that have cooling action. Those are the types of foods that we should be focused on for summer, all right? So what does that mean? Okay, I'm going to go into these. Actually, I'm going to give you some guidelines. It's not going to be an exhaustive list. Well, actually, um, I know you had mentioned this, Tracy, that you're like, we need to give a list to people. So we are going to link a list in the show notes of everything that I'm saying so that you'll have that of a general guideline. But I want to make sure all of you who are listening understand why you're doing what you're doing. You know that I'm a huge proponent of not just giving people lists and rules and guidelines and all that kind of stuff, but explaining the why. Because I find that when you understand the why, it's very easy to make choices. And then you're not looking at a list. You just intuitively can go to the grocery store or go to a restaurant or go to a family event and know which foods are going to support your health. From the choices that are available, you're not like, oh, where's my list? What should I be eating? That's not how we live, right? That's, that's absolutely. And that's when that's when all of these, you know, good intentions go out the window because you're like, oh, I can't remember what's on the list. But if you understand why you're doing what you're doing, it's so much easier, right? Okay, so I'll get off my soapbox. But all right, so let's talk about the foods. I actually have some notes in front of me for this because I want to make sure I'm pretty precise about this. I am going to talk about foods that are common for a Western diet, but there'll again be a full list that we'll link in the show notes. All right. So let's start with vegetables. Does that sound good, Tracy? Great. Okay. (laughs) All right. So mostly what I eat. So thank you. (laughs) So, you know, vegetables generally are somewhat sweet and either bitter or astringent or both. Okay. So again, some guidelines here, high water content vegetables are really good in the summer for all the reasons we've already talked about. Um, So things like cucumber, celery, tomatoes, lettuces, other greens, those are really, really good in the summer. The other things that you should remember is that really the ones to avoid or reduce in the summer are any foods that have the qualities of fire, right? Things that are spicy, heating, sharp, or sour. Things like garlic, green chilies, radishes, onion, mustard greens. Those can be too heating. Now, again, if you're not having a lot of issues um, with these fire element symptoms, then go ahead and have some of those. But if you are having some issues, then you want to avoid or reduce them. That's that's the general rule for all of the things we're going to talk about. Okay. Got it. So I should give the kimchi I just made to the neighbors. Yeah. I mean, kimchi, you could probably just refrigerate it. That would probably not be the best thing for you right now, given how you just told me you're feeling. That is all of the fire elements wrapped up in one nice jar. And you're just going to increase all your, all your feelings that you're having. So yeah, kimchi, not a good idea right now. Okay. I'll hold on. Delicious, but not a good idea right now. 
Okay, so let's move on to fruits. Again, generally fruits that are sweet and somewhat astringent. So make sure that you eat these fruits when they're ripe and sweet, but not when they're sour, if they're unripe, because sour will increase fire qualities, okay? That taste. And so again, fruits, same as vegetables, high water content is really good. In the summer, watermelon, cantaloupe, melon, pineapple, mango, berries, you know, pretty much any fruit. The only exception in the summer is banana, okay? Banana has a sour taste and that can increase quality. So when people are making all these smoothies with all these bananas in the, in the summer, many times it can increase the fire qualities. And so just be careful with bananas. So I make a lot of quinoa and I was just curious of if that's something that's healthy in the summer. Yeah, yeah, totally. So let's talk about grains then, right? So grains that will, again, pacify and sort of counterbalance the fire qualities are things that are cooling, sweet, dry, and grounding, okay? And that's most grains, actually. The ones to really avoid are grains that have heating qualities, things like buckwheat, corn, millet, brown rice, and like yeasted breads. Those are all things that are going to cause heating, but most grains in general have that like, you know, sort of sweet, cool, dry, grounding, you know, um, sort of quality to it. So they're okay for the summer. Okay. Okay. Where does sourdough fit in? It's fermented, right? It's not easy. Yeah. So you fermented. Yeah. No, probably not good. Yeah. Yeah. Plus it's sour. And so sour is actually heating. So it all, it really all does make sense. It makes uh, sense because actually when you think about it. Yeah. Yeah. Cause when you think about it, sourdough is kind of like this, it's really yummy. It's salty sour, but it's like heavy. It feels really good in the winter to me, but in the summer, it feels like it would be just too heavy uh, in this way. And, and it has all those qualities that are um, heating to make that, that feeling of heaviness in the summer. So. Um, good question. I'm going to have to look that up, but I, I'm, I'm almost, almost positive that it's, it's not a good idea. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, nuts and seeds. Yeah. Grains. Let's go to nuts. And yeah. Seeds. All right. So nuts and seeds tend to be really oily. Okay. And that's very heating and it, that's another quality of fire. And so most nuts and seeds are not a good idea when you're trying to counterbalance fire qualities. Now there are some exceptions in small quantities, almonds, again, they have to be soaked overnight and peeled so that your digestion has an easier time. Um, pumpkin seeds and sunflower seeds, those seem to be okay. And then I know this is not a nut or a seed, but it kind of is a dried fruit. Dried coconut is very cooling as well. So that's like a nice thing to sprinkle on things um, to add that cooling property if you wanted to. Meat, fish, eggs, and dairy. Okay, so the basic guideline here is to reduce meats that are really salty, oily, and heating. And usually those are fattier meats and fish. Things like dark chicken, um, beef, salmon, tuna, egg yolks. You want to reduce those in the summertime. They're going to be too heating. Um, dairy products actually tend to be grounding and cooling, and they have a sweet taste. So in general, they're pretty good for, you know, reducing fire qualities, um, but you just want to really avoid having them with meals. And then you want to avoid any kinds of dairy that has any sour or salty qualities to it. Things like yogurt, especially if it's, you know, store-bought, if it's homemade, usually it's fine. Or any like kefir, those are the types of things you're laughing. I can see her on the screen. I'm, I'm laughing because it's literally everything I just started eating in the past week. And I wonder why, oh. you know, I have so much. I've been doing all these fermented things like kefir and, and yogurts and, and things yep. like that. So it all makes sense now. So thank Yeah. You. And so there you go. So that's probably why you're having some of the, the feelings that you're feeling um, right now, especially because you just increased all those things in your diet in the last few weeks. So. Right, right. When I go in, I go all in. <laughs> okay, so I'm going to be so interested to talk to you in like a week or two when, because I know Definitely. you're going to immediately now give those away to your neighbors. 
and then see what happens. It's probably going to decrease. Okay, let's go into oils really fast. So now here's another one, like, you know, this whole cold versus cooling. Again, oils and oily, not exactly the same thing, right? Despite oils being oily in nature, you can actually have a moderate amount of oil in the summer, but you want to, again, pick ones that have cooling properties. So the best oils to help reduce the fire element qualities are things like sunflower oil, ghee, coconut oil, and olive oil. Those all have cooling properties. Um, and then the last is herbs and spices, which we've already touched on. But, you know, most herbs and spices are actually heating. But again, there are some that are cooling that we've already you know, discussed about adding into water. Things like cardamom, cilantro, coriander, fennel, and mint. Those are all cooling. Aloe is a plant, but again, you know, sometimes people think of it as something to add into cooking. Aloe is very cooling. In addition, cumin, saffron, turmeric, even though those are heating, they have some fire reducing uh, qualities to them. So those you can use in some moderation in summer cooking. Yeah. Yeah. That was really helpful. Thank you. I guess my next question has to do with sleep and circadian rhythm. I know you talk a lot about that. And as I mentioned, I'm having a hard time sleeping. And I, I actually have talked to some friends and they blame it on the full moon when that happens. But um, I don't know what's happening. But do you have any recommendations um, for listeners and for, for myself as well? Yeah. About how to kind of just reset. Yeah. So again, we go back, always go back to the golden principle, right? So these fire qualities are hot, sharp, oily, and mobile, counterbalanced with the opposite qualities of cool, dry, um, dull, and stable. And so let's think about, this might be easier to talk about from the perspective of like, what qualities are we going to increase? Um, we want to increase, let's say, cool and dull qualities, right? So again, you want to think about your daily sun exposure should be early in the morning or late in the evening, right? When the sun is less in intense. So again, you're getting that reset of your circadian rhythm by getting out in the sun before 10 a.m. Again, make sure that you have some direct sunlight into your retina um, and even on your skin. Again, make sure you moderate that for vitamin D production, but also when it gets to, it hits your retina, it resets your circadian rhythm with cortisol and melatonin. And there's a whole episode on that. We'll link that in the, the show notes in case you're sort of like, what do you mean by that? I have a whole episode on circadian rhythm. But again, so one thing you can do is, again, daily sun exposure in the morning before 10 a.m. when the sun is not as intense or go in the evening. And then the other thing, and that increases the cool and dull qualities. Another thing that you can do to increase this cool quality is if you do self oil massage, which is very good for the nervous system, when we're sort of like running around doing all these different things, it can be a lot for our nervous system. If we want to calm it down, you want to do self oil massage with coconut oil because it's cooling. The other thing that you can also do is rose is very, very cooling. So you can make like a little rose water spritz that you can spritz on your face throughout the day, carry it in your bag. Um, it's really good to help cool off. You can have a rose scent that is very cooling as well. As far as, you know, increasing the qualities of dull and stable or grounding, again, to counterbalance the fire element qualities, you want to do things that are calming, you know, so calming activity and movement. Now, here's a funny thing. In Chicago, there's like these runs every, every weekend, like there's multiple runs downtown, you know, 10Ks and marathons and this and that. And everybody gets injured and sort of burnt out what you were talking about at the, the beginning of the episode. And so really doing something that counterbalances that, I will never say to someone, don't go for a run. I'm not going to tell you to do that. But what I am going to tell you is that like, let's balance that out with some grounding and calming activity. So some yoga, maybe some slow, leisurely walking. We don't have to do everything so fast all the time. Because all that does is increase that heat and that fire element, which then causes all these problems. So hopefully you guys are getting, you know, a clear sense of what I'm getting at. It's really qualitative the way you look at things and it just makes sense then. You're like, oh yeah, I should probably slow down a little. It really, yeah, it really does make sense. It's, it's intuitive and it is. Um, I might cancel my boxing class that I 
<laughs> Please do. I know tomorrow. So <laughs> doing everything backwards. <laughs> so can you explain the injuries a little bit more, please? Yeah. I, I have seen that quite a bit. Yeah. Especially for some reason in pickle. I keep seeing people getting oh injured from pickleball. And I think it's hilarious. It's so funny. Like pickleball has been around forever. And now I have my college age kids talking about pickleball. And I'm like, what? I thought that that was something like, you know, older people. I mean, I, I'm aging myself. I'm 50. But I mean, like older people would play. And now all these like millennials are like, let's play pickleball. I'm like, what is going on? Okay, anyway, I digress. Um, okay, so let's talk about like this whole idea of running and marathons, because that's a big thing here in Chicago. I'm sure it's all over the United States, probably even internationally. But an interesting way to look at it, this is, you know, the Ayurvedic perspective of sort of burnout. When you have a lot of fire, if you fan that fire, what happens? It gets bigger, right? It's not like you're blowing it out, right. like trying to like blow it out. But if you, you know, why we, why we have that term fan the fire, you're making it burn more. So if you think about that from a perspective of like so much movement, and then you add into the fact that like marathons and races, they're competitive in nature, which is all fire quality, right? Competition, people who have a lot of fire in them, they're very competitive, right? So you got these people who are running and doing all these activities, these high intensity sports, it's competitive, it's a lot of movement, it's fanning the fire. Wow, burnout, right? Wow. You picture that. And so then we have all these injuries and we have all this acid and we have all these heat, you know, the rashes coming out, right? The heat is trying to escape the body and the mind. We have people getting pissed off and they're emotional and they're, you know, angry. This is because there's just too much fire and it's being fanned by all this movement, this mobility, right? And so again, that's sort of another way to look at it. So I would, again, I'm not going to say don't run, don't play pickleball, don't play tennis, whatever it is, but try and do it early in the morning, late in the evening, not in the middle of the day when there's even more heat. Um, try and balance it with some things that are calming, you know, either right after or balancing it out over the day or the week, doing some things that are cooling and grounding and a little slower so that you don't burn out. Hopefully that makes sense. Yeah, it does make sense. And it's actually what's bringing, what, what's coming to mind for me is, um, taking advantage of the lake here in, you know, in Chicago, like Michigan, I, you know, I realized when I, when I do head down to the lake, I just, I feel so much calmer um, and it's, it's intuitive. So maybe are things like water activities better than, you know, maybe running? Yeah, for sure. Because Yeah. Cause there is a cooling property to that. Right. I mean, you're in the water, you know, I find that like, you know, my husband Conwar, he loves to sail. He's on a boat all summer and he has a lot of fire in him. He's a super competitive guy. And so I find that he has, I think he just internally knows to self-regulate. He gets out on the water or close to the water to calm himself down. Okay. Now there's a whole thing with, you know, all the, the negative ions that come from water. We can talk about all the energetic properties of water that are also very calming and soothing to the, the, the energy of the human system, which is also happening. But there is this counterbalancing effect that happens by being uh, close to water, out in nature, just being out in nature, right? Again, you're not going to go, you know, hiking in the middle of the day or out to the beach in the, the middle of the, the hottest part of the day, because that's just going to increase your heat. But getting out into nature when it's a little cooler in the morning hours and the evening hours is really, really good to counterbalance sort of these effects of the fire qualities in nature, but also in sort of the things that we're doing every day. Yeah, no, this is really helpful. I'm feeling calmer already. <laughs> um, and you're definitely inspiring me to, to, to change some things in my routine. Um, so kind of along those lines, do you have any other recommendations for summertime routines? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, so let's get into, you know, some of the things I've already talked about a couple things that you can do um, just from a routine perspective, getting outside, you know, the rose spritz, the uh, oiling with the coconut oil, but let's talk about some of the tools of yoga. Specifically, I would say, you know, when it comes to, let's talk about meditation and visualization, again, things that are a little bit slower paced. 
So you can do a slow walking meditation. Um, as far as visualization, visualizing things that have cooling properties, this is not the time to do a visualization or a guided meditation on the sun or something like that. It would be better to do a guided meditation or visualization of the moon or a still lake that is cool, okay? Um, as far as the breath goes, there is a really great cooling breath practice you can do. Um, some of the listeners may know this breath. It's called Shitali breath. Um, and really, this is a cooling breath. It's very simple to do. And basically, you're going to practice it by inhaling as if you're sipping air in through a straw. So it's almost like pursing the lips around a straw. And you just bring air in slowly through that little straw that you're pretending, you know, um, and it cools the tongue basically. So you inhale, like you're sipping through a, a straw and then you exhale through the nose and just do a few rounds of that until you start to feel a little cooler and calmer in your body and in your mind and your emotions. I find that anytime that I'm getting really aggravated or impatient, doing a little sheathily breath will actually help to just calm me down because it's cooling. Okay. Very simple, very, very simple uh, breath practice. Um, have you ever done Sheetali breath? I have not, but I feel calmer after watching yeah. you do it. <laughs> so that's how you do, that's a breath practice you can do. And you just want to, again, you can continue for anywhere from 10 to 30 seconds or a few minutes, just, you know, see how you feel. And then another practice that I find is really good. Again, as people go through the summer and they're accumulating all this fire and this heat inside you know, you'd start to get emotional, you know, those emotions of anger, frustration, impatience, intolerance, jealousy, perfectionism, right? A forgiveness practice is a really, really beautiful way to sort of balance those emotions, right? And it's forgiveness in two ways, right? Forgiveness of self, but also forgiveness of others. And this is not an easy practice by any means. I know everyone probably listening is like, oh gosh, this is going to be hard. It is hard. I will say it's very hard um, because even forgiving yourself, forgiving others, it's, it's a mental block sometimes. Um, and it's sort of like you can get into all of the stories about why you can't forgive yourself or why you can't or don't want to forgive somebody else. And so let's think about it from this perspective. Okay. So the two parts of this sort of forgiveness practice would be first, forgive yourself, you know, picture something that comes to mind that you really judge yourself for, and then focus on three phrases. And you don't want to force anything. You just want to sort of set an intention. And the three phrases are, I forgive myself for not understanding. I forgive myself for making mistakes. I forgive myself for causing pain and suffering to myself and others. And so again, get out of the stories and just focus on those phrases. And then the second part of the forgiveness meditation is forgiving others. Again, our mind is going to want to go to stories and hold on to instances when we feel that, you know, we were wronged by others. Again, focus on these three phrases and don't get into the story. I forgive you for not understanding. I forgive you for making mistakes. I forgive you for causing pain and suffering to me and others. And that's it. Mm. It's really, really simple. Yeah. And we can link that in the show notes as well. We'll put that in the show notes because I know you may be walking and listening or driving and listening. So I'll put that forgiveness meditation into the show notes along with the food list. Yeah, that's so helpful. Well, this seems like a, a, a good place to end on that beautiful, beautiful note. I love it. I can't thank you enough. I think I know for sure you've helped all the listeners and you helped me as well as you know, and I'll definitely follow up with you next week and let you know how I'm doing. Yeah, no, I mean, I, that was fun. I'm, I know that we, we kind of weaved a lot of questions in. we didn't actually call out, you know, who the listener was or what it was, but these are sort of a lot of the questions we've gotten and we sort of put them all together and sort of look for common themes and in the last few months, we've been getting a lot of questions about summer health and how to, you know, transition and how to support your health in the summer. So 
hopefully this was helpful to all of you. And so thank you so much, Tracy, for doing this episode with me. It's been so much fun. I hope that it's been helpful to all of you listeners. And please keep sending your questions in. It's really helpful. It it helps me think about what things to teach you and what things you're interested in. There will be a link in the show notes so that you can keep leaving voice messages for for me. Um, And also feel free to send an email through the website or you can message me on Instagram. I always try to respond and I collect questions, but I also respond to you um, in person. And I think this is where we're going to end. So we'll see you guys back in September. Enjoy the rest of the summer. I know that we are going to. And until next time, be well. Thanks again for listening to The Healing Catalyst. If you love what you heard, please hit follow and pass it along to a friend. And if you're feeling really inspired, please rate and review so that others can find this podcast more easily. To learn more, head to avantikumarsingh.com. And to connect with me directly, find me on Instagram at avantikumarsingh. I'll be back next week and hope that you will be too. Until then, remember, with the right catalyst, you have the power to activate your own healing because healing starts within.